0: It's part of American politics. We love our polls. But do you really understand the polling, how it's sampled, and what it actually means before America votes? truth is, polling is a snapshot of information. And here at Polling Plus, we're experts at taking that information, breaking it down, and giving it to you in a way that just makes sense. From local races to the national stage of the 2024 presidential election, Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley are churning the data so you can stay informed. This is Polling Plus. I'm Matt Towery. Welcome to Polling Plus, along with the Bo Tidewin himself, the great Robert Cahaley, the two of us are going to talk about a lot of things that relate to polling, but we're also going to talk about a lot of things that relate to life and what you're doing with and watching this news, which is just overwhelming. Uh, Robert, if we took a poll of how depressed is America right now watching this stuff, I would think it would be through the roof. I mean, between well, the economy and this war.
1: Absolutely. And it, the number of people who are just worried that it's going to escalate into to something very serious. Uh, some kind of a worldwide conflict is just out the door. Just those numbers are of the top well, right.
0: Well, I, I think it's an intelligence test too, because I found that everyone I know who has a brain is scared to death and talking about this. And everyone I know who, who just lopes through life or really doesn't pay attention to anything, they don't really realize what's going on and that this thing could go south in a matter of, you know, a few weeks. And, yeah, they're and i went talking I, about Halloween. Was that they're talking about? Yeah, Halloween. Yeah, they're talking about Halloween, right? And we're talking <laughs> about Armageddon. So wait. So as an aside, never. By the way, this this never gained me fifty cents in my pocket like most things I've done. But I graduated from Cambridge uh, over in England with a uh, MPhil, which is a research degree in international relations and international law. But it, the real process of that was to understand. Uh, the international system. We had courses in things like nuclear strategy, not the normal sort of course you take. I can tell you this, not a single thing that I studied at Cambridge really applies to the international relations and international scene we have today. Other than you have a UN, which was sort of, which rose from a thing called the League of, a concert of Vienna, then the League of Nations, then became the UN post-World War II, none of which have ever been effective, in my opinion. And that's one thing. And the other thing is you still have the overall issue of if one attacks one versus two and three being involved, what effect does that have on whether or not you have an all-out world war? And I can basically tell you that that 50-cent worth of education that I received there. And I'm not putting Cambridge down as a wonderful university. I'm just saying I couldn't convert it into many, anything other than moving on to law school here in the U S it, it, the only part of that 50 cents that's worth anything is understanding that we truly are on the precipice of a potential war, world war that could have devastating effects on the economy. And by the way, if China decides to get in the action later this year, then it's it's really just, it's out of control. And I think that's highly likely that they're going to start looking at, Ty- at, at Taiwan because they feel like now they have another opportunity to lower the U.S. when the U.S. is weakest. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it makes total sense. I mean, you've got strategic petroleum uh, reserved down to half. And we, you've got U.S. forces, you know, committed so many, so many places. It, it just makes sense that you know you've got. To, and add to that, you got know, the Biden administration that uh, this this distracted and focused on re-election and selling Bidenomics, and not what's really going on. And maybe even compromised. There's, there's so much evidence that, that you know they're looking the other way. So it's it's there's a it's a it's a culmination of things and. and the one thing that you said that kind of sticks to me is, you know, it's the, what you studied is that, you know, we're always a, there's always a few things can happen. Well, one of the first things that has to happen is kind of a people start to pick teams. And uh, we see that happening. We've seen that happening, you know, with with the global south. We've seen that happening with with China and Russia. I mean, so this for the first time in, you know, 70 something years, we're, we're starting to build up teams again. Uh, and it's not. You know, the only thing we've had since World War II has been, you know, the Soviet Union and their satellites in America. And so, and that's not the makings we're talking about here. We're talking about real different countries with different agendas that that aren't part of one country and one agenda that are are teaming together. Uh, And NATO having a real rival and having a rival to the, you know, the entire Western order as well.
0: Well, you have and to ask a question. That's what
1: scares me is when you pick teams, you start doing right. that, that's the right. beginning.
0: Well, you have to have, ask a question when Iran decides that they're purposely going to have a skirmish with U.S. assets. You know, they, they obviously aren't afraid they, because there are, there are past administrations where I know one, the last one, where if that happened, it would have been lights out. Um, they clearly don't think the U.S. is going to have a strong response. And they're testing us, just like the, the Chinese flying uh, their fighter jets against our bombers within, you know, wingspan. That's just not cool in the international world. That basically says we're getting ready to really test you. And it just seems to me that the the thing is is. This whole international system is being held together by bailing wire and chewing gum. And it could all fall apart. We, we could literally tomorrow wake up and hear, Israel did this. Uh, uh, Hezbollah decided to get involved on the other side. Turkey decides to get involved. Russia decides to back them. China decides this is a great time with the U.S. military completely focused on the Middle East to make a move on Taiwan at that point in time. This becomes just so dangerous. And at some point, the, the stock market in the US, which seems to manage to whistle past the graveyard of massive debt, not just debt by the government, but credit card debt. I mean, people, everybody went to Europe this 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 summer, other than me. Now they got to come home and realize, wow, I'm paying 21% interest on these credit cards. And and a lot of these people aren't paying off the full credit card. So that interest rolls over to the next month. And at some point, the rubber has got to meet the road. And I could go on and on about this. We can move on to other topics. But I certainly see this as a a two-pronged deal. International instability that could become World War III and something that could crush the economy of the United States and certainly uh, the economic um, uh, confidence of the consumer
1: and this unsustainable spending. I mean, you, you know, like you said, the, the government. I you know here, they're set to borrow one point six trillion in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're not, and it's so difficult. You know, even if the House and we have some good leadership in the House now, but even if the House does the right thing, I mean, what is the Senate going to do? Because it's it's you know it's it's so evenly divided and. Uh, you know, the Democrats have just a, a bare advantage and you can't always count on uh, cinema and matcha to do the right thing. And so it, it it just it starts getting really scary. And you think about what would happen if China took Taiwan and controlled 80 percent, 90 percent of the uh, microchip market. I mean, if people didn't like not be able to get their new computers and pickup trucks before, right. it, this is like you can't get anything. Right, and um, I mean once the chip market's gone, and once we have the t- we've lost the technology war, we've lost the war.
0: So uh, sliding into where that intersects with the polls, um, Gallup, which I, I hate this term gold standard. For example, yeah. example Anne Seltzer is the gold standard in Iowa. Now Anne does very good work, but, but what they forget is there are a couple of primaries she's completely blown, just didn't get right. So at least one I know of. So it's not like she's we're all imperfect. I mean, how blown yeah, and you, it's, rate you have. And so I don't consider any one poll ever the gold standard. But I will say this.
1: It's a percentage yeah. you get right, too. And if you only do three a year.
0: Yeah, a well, you're, lot you're lot not really years. risking a whole lot, right? And plus, Iowa isn't exactly the most diverse demographics in the world. It's not really hard to <laughs> weight that poll. Um, but, but I'm not taking away from Ann Seltzer. She does good work, and I respect her immensely. Um, but – I think Gallup is truly as close to a gold standard as you can get get with regard to one thing, presidential approval. They've been doing it forever. They've got it down. And so this week, Biden slipped to a 39 percent approval rate. And when you get in the 30s in Gallup, you're in some deep trouble. And he's losing it in part from Democrats who are upset about his support of Israel. What do you make of that?
1: Well, that's what's amazing. I remember a couple of years ago when there was some uh, an Israeli uh, response to something uh, with Hamas, same kind of deal. And we put out a poll that showed the majority of Democrats thought that uh, Israel was to blame. And everybody said, that's crazy. I'm like, no, it's not. What we're finding is older uh, Democrats support Israel and the younger ones all support Hamas. And this again, this is two years ago. And so I've seen this split coming for a while, mm-hmm. and what has happened is they don't understand when things – they let things go too far on all this woke stuff, and it is absolutely going to split their party down the middle. And the other thing about this issue, to me, is it's forming up kind of like guns and abortion, where the people who care about it the most will vote on it alone. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of Democrats who are going to vote on this
0: alone. Yeah. And, you know, you you take this kind of one
1: issue things, they're
0: powerful. And we've we've talked about this before, but a lot has happened just in the last week. Well, the, the block of Jewish voters in places like the eastern portion of my state, Florida, or in New York, or in California, do you, I mean, they always go Democrat, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be, this is not uh, to be critical. It's just a demographic case. The, when we do the polls, they generally speak and go Democrat at some point, because this has gone beyond defending Israel now. This has gone to people in these universities, these, these folks saying, you know, uh, attacking Jewish folks just because they're Jewish. True anti Semitic action. Will this move any of that block of votes away from the Democrats, or will they just, are they just going to go down the ship no, no matter what, down with the ship?
1: Well, I think that, that they recognize, some of these folks really recognize that there's a fight in the Democrat Party on what what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to be a traditional um, American party where the Republicans, the Democrats um, agree on a few issues? And Israel's one of them. And they're going to depart from that. Right. And if they think that the Democrats are going to lose that fight and they're going to become a either a neutral party on Israel or a negative party on Israel, if that won't move their votes, then that issue isn't the main thing they're voting on. Right. It's just so that's that what
0: I was the reason I was asking is because you said this is going to be based on it could be a one issue vote for a certain sector. I know it's going to be a one-issue vote for a certain number of, of, Demo- of these younger Democrats, Absolutely. who, by the way, have gone through high school and universities where they're being taught one view only, and it's anti-Israel, and it's pro-Palestinian, and, the, the I, you know— It's funny, I I, I read, I I get the alumni stuff from Cambridge, so I read what our vice chancellor who runs the university had to say. I thought, oh, I'm sure this is going to be just as bad as Columbia. It wasn't quite as bad. They basically said, we we don't approve of violence anywhere. It's sort of noncommittal. But some of these universities and their faculty here have just gone all out in one direction. And it's scaring people. They're realizing that they can organize a group in mass whether it's on the Brooklyn Bridge or at one of the university campuses, like Tulane, where there was violence. I mean, Tulane, they still has a pretty heavy Jewish population among the students. Yet they go down there and burn the other side, burns the the Israeli flag and start, and they get into violence. I mean, anyway, I don't know what's going to, how these demographics are going to shake out, but I I agree with you on one thing. This is going to be, for some groups, it's going to be the one issue that they vote on. but you, you
1: it, it also problem. may be the one issue that they're going to really start rethink um, this whole the whole woke and the whole cancel culture nation. I mean, this is what I've been saying for years: is cancel culture is only a problem when something you care about starts to be canceled. Right. And all of a sudden, we finally got into something that a lot of people care about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they didn't, they, haven't, they didn't say anything when they were taking down statues. They didn't say anything when they were changing names. And right. They didn't say anything when, you know, it was all this different stuff. And, you know, there was people getting canceled for where they had their wedding, for God's sake. But right. now, when it's hitting something they care about, now they're starting to realize, oh, maybe the, maybe the university is out of control. Maybe there's a problem. I mean, it's, right. it's amazing to see some of these major donors going, I'm not sure. I like what's going on at my uh, school there.
0: Yeah, it only, it only took to a massacre. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Yeah. so We've been, on been waiting real, on you. Moving on real quickly, talk about GOP primary for a moment. I, I saw an article on Fox uh, News, their website, which I read devotedly. And it was by, I think, their chief political analyst, too, a gentleman who I do not know. But the story there, in essence, tees up the concept that whoever ends up in second place in Iowa, the silver medalist, could emerge as the true contender against uh, Donald Trump. Now, it also sort of flies in the face when you look at the polling right now. The silver medalist would still be Ron DeSantis. It would not be Nikki Haley. But yet a lot of the coverage I see right now has been, in fact, I think it also came from Fox, that that Haley is racing up the polls and DeSantis continues to stall or to drop. Now, I don't really think either one of those candidates right now have what I would call major momentum. But I will say this. I do believe this is just my personal opinion that a lot of the mega donors who are searching for some alternative to Donald Trump, they're running out of, of, of runway. And I could see, I used to be in that party a lot, dealt with a lot of high-level people, and I could see some of these phone calls, these conference calls or meetings being held, Say, okay, uh, the governor of Virginia is not going to run, because I don't think he's going to run. You don't think he's going to run. And uh, DeSantis is not, not getting any real lift. I mean, Nikki's on the rise, and we need to just go all in for Nikki. Now, maybe I'm just thinking that because I think I know how the GOP works and I don't know anymore. But what are your thoughts about how this plays out as we get closer and closer to Iowa? Well, by the way, you and I are going to play a major role in that because we've always polled Iowa. I've been polling it for decades and I have not gotten it wrong. I don't believe someone can go check. Maybe I had one or two, but I think I think we've done really well in Iowa. And like I said, it's not exactly like doing South Carolina or Georgia, right? I mean, it's pretty pretty easy to wait the poll.
1: Exactly, it's not less um,
0: complex. What do you think, Robert? Well, I, I think
1: it's kind of naive to think that this Iowa is going to really winnow the field much more than it usually does. Um, what I, I, you know, they keep talking about with the the one left to run against Trump. Well, I got a simple prediction. Trump will have the delegates locked up before he has just one opponent. I don't think Mm -hmm. that's going to happen because, you know, when you look at how this works and you look at how these presidential campaigns go on and they become right now, they're about money and they're about, uh, you know, ground organization. But once the, once the winning and losing start, they become about momentum. Mm -hmm. People win entire states. They've never campaigned in because the last three weeks they've been winning. And so, once winning becomes the thing and it becomes a less expensive contest, Mm -hmm. then you can see people hanging in there. And, you know, there are candidates in this race that that are going to drop out as soon as they can't afford bottled water and uh, fruit in their uh, hotel rooms.
0: Which should be. And there are candidates who aren't going to drop out (laughs)
1: until their credit cards don't work anymore. Right. So, (laughs) and and it's just so I don't think they're going to get down to just two. And I also think it's naive to think that. People who are for Ramaswamy or for uh, certainly f- uh, for DeSantis are going to all break for Nikki, because I think they've kind of gotten most of those people are what I would say are in the, in, in the MAGA column.
0: Yeah, and more they're not moving sport.
1: to the establishment column.
0: By the way, our, our good friend Mike Pence dropped out, shocker. And in doing so, I think warned against populism. Now, excuse me, Robert, what do you want a ticket that was a populist ticket? That won because of populism.
1: You know, it is, it is really funny when somebody gets gets off of a plane that they really enjoyed the ride on. It says, you know, I, it, You know, Mike Pence talking about populism is 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 to me uh, like John Kerry talking about climate change after he gets off his jet.
0: Right. <laughs> well put. Um, so right now we've got sort of. Um, a uh, shift in, I think, taking place in public opinion with regard to the GOP versus the Democrats. And let me give you an example. News Nation, I don't know who does their polling, but they came out with a poll uh, just very recently that showed the Republicans up to in the generic ballot. Now, if you recall, I know you do because you look at it all the time. The Republicans have, have really been dropping in the generic ballot particularly during that speaker fiasco. And it, I don't know if this is like a, I hate the word outlier too, but it, it, it may be off or it may be a harbinger of things to come. But do you think now that you have a new speaker who seems to have his act together? It makes a damn good presentation. I think on television, I mean, he, he's impressive. Um, And you have the house beginning to get, start moving again. And you have the split among the Democrats Do you think there's a possibility that I know Congress, the House is going to be very hard to hold on to because we just, you know, you're hanging on by a thread and you got all these goofballs out there with with problems. They've got people out there who are in some deep trouble. The guy who can't tell the truth, the uh, the incumbent in Colorado is having to redo her strategies. You're only up by four. Now, the generic ballot may not mean anything, but it may tell us something about the Senate. Where, you know, it looks like if they get their act together, we may, if we, even if we lose the House on the Republican side, you gain the Senate on the Democratic side, I mean, on the Republican side. And so you finally have, and I I don't know, that means Mitch McConnell continues in place. If that's the case, you may not have a real Republican Senate, but that's another issue. (laughs) I mean, what are you seeing? Do you think there's a shift right now in the the generic ballot and maybe the the House could be rescued and the the Senate could go to the Republicans?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the generic ballot, uh, again, we know that we, you know, the Republicans can be losing the generic ballot and win Congress. We've seen it happen before. Um, And I think that the congressional ballot is going to have more to do with the top of the ticket. If, 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 If the Republicans win the presidency, they'll probably hold the House. If they lose the presidency, they probably won't. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think that what you're saying is right. They're seeing stability. And what was most causing dismay was, you know, this idea that Republicans can't get along and they can't work together and uh, different aspects of them, you know, were, were not, you know, whether it's the moderates weren't happy or the conservatives weren't happy. And I think what Mike Johnson I've talked with some people who who actually served in the Louisiana legislature with Mike right. before he even got elected to Congress. Right. And what they said is, this is a calm voice. This guy is a guy who is really, really learned it. I mean, he's a constitutional scholar. He loves this stuff, mm-hmm. but he's he has the Newt Gingrich way of explaining the complex. Right. Instead of just being mad at you because you don't get it. Right. And that is what it takes to kind of bring you know, herd these cats together Mm -hmm. is to hear everybody's perspective and, 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 and to not play the games. I mean, a guy like this could never win a regular speaker's election. He came in the only way he could come in, but that's what makes him so powerful is he didn't have to cut all those deals. Mm -hmm. And I I think it is, it is a unique opportunity. Uh, This guy can be hated by neither side and I, I didn't think they were going to arrive at a speaker like that. So I think there is the unity of the Republicans and then the Democrats with, you know, the squad and all the Israel mm-hmm. stuff coming back to that. Right. Right. Is going to
0: contribute to all of this. Yep. I, I totally and completely agree. Um, I've, I've, there's some there's a shift going on. I don't know exactly what it is. And this could go on left and right. I did. By the way, I found it very interesting. That is it, Dane Senator Daines, who's in charge of the uh, senatorial committee this time, I believe so. And he came out and said, "Everybody, will wake up and just realize Donald Trump's the nominee, and they ought to get out." Which uh, now, could you imagine that having been said in the you know? I mean, I would think Mitch McConnell was like his head is spinning. His own head of the senatorial committee has come out and said that, uh, but. I believe that's what he said, because I I think even Trump was trumpeting it Um, Are other people.
1: Actually, Mitch McConnell's doctor said um, what you saw wasn't true. His head is not spinning.
0: Yeah, right. It's just frozen. (laughs) (laughs) It was totally fine. No, Mitch heard the news and went. You did not see what you think you saw. (laughs) But I I found that interesting. I'm beginning to I want to see there's a race here going Uh, whether. They can somehow find a way, the more moderate wing of the party, the establishment wing, can find a way to get one of these guys, either the DeSantis, which, oh, by the way, I don't think DeSantis is a dead duck. I think he could overperform in Iowa and get a little momentum. I don't think he's finished. But I don't think he, neither he nor Nikki Haley really, in my opinion, have the ability to really rob Trump of the nomination. For what you said, and that is, there are too many delegates he'll have in his pocket before anybody can really get ahead of steam. And, well, uh, you know, that's my Absolutely. View. And, and the thing is, I think
1: Iowans are some of the smarter people um, in politics because th- they experience a lot of this. And, and, you know, we've talked about some of the fallacies with national polls. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of these polls in Iowa that – are literally this way of they take a national poll, um, and they take a, a statewide in this case, right? And they you know they divide them up and let people self-identify and then ask them how they're going to vote in the Iowa caucuses. Mm-hmm. And they're not you know some of them aren't really screening for caucus goers. Now some right. are, right? And we do and you do, yeah. But so we have to recognize there's a little bit of a skew and caucus goers. You know tend tend to hide their cards
0: a little bit, so I, well, in I think, past years you had to ask who the second choice was as well and uh, half the pollsters never even bothered to do that, which in right. Iowa is fatal if you don't do that
1: that well i I'm not sure the system works the same way this year It doesn't year. i said but I said in past years it has been, you're exactly right and and it's important to know that because uh you know. It, it can also give you a clue as to where they are, because sometimes when somebody's second choice is so out of line with their first choice, you, you sometimes realize maybe what they said first wasn't really what they think. Right. But I would say the more genuine a candidate uh, comes across, mm-hmm. the better they're going to do in Iowa. And so polling not, might not be as accurate as people think
0: it is in Iowa right now. It's tough. I mean, the genuineness I mean, of the candidates is going to shine through on some the of the The Democrats always had that second choice deal. And and there are some times when I came out right, and a lot of folks were wrong because they didn't ask the second choice or didn't ask it right. Now, you know, I don't. Yeah, look, guys, y'all. And there's peer
1: pressure involved when you're kind of dropped out.
0: Yeah, when you're in that room, as you know, I don't. I don't live and die polling. I'm going to go play golf again (laughs) this afternoon. By the way, I played my my original course, Cherokee in Atlanta last week, uh, Cherokee Town Country. It really played pretty well. I went out on my home course to Vanoy on floor uh, Of course I, I for listeners, my mom passed away, it's been a long month, but trying to get back in the swing of things, I go to the Vanoy to play and I stunk. I mean, I was so bad. Robert, I could put a club in your hands and you would beat me the way nope. I played on Sunday. Nope. But nope, but, nope. But don't think so. but, nope. but all that being said, so I you know, I care about golf more than to do about polling. But I do think that um, there's going, there, there are going to be a, a lot of things that will shift in these campaigns very quickly because, let me make this point, the attention has been shifted completely to what we started about, started about in this podcast, and that is Israel and what's going on over there. And there's going to be a very short focused time period. For there really to be anybody to pay any attention. But for this, exam- this debate they're going to have in what, Miami? Is that next week? That's right. Okay. Next week. I bet you that has the worst ratings. In the- well, wait a minute. They can do it on NBC, I think. And so you're going to mm-hmm. have a broader audience. Of course, this is all designed to get moderate candidates more support, in my opinion. I'm not saying it's nefariously done, but you know the more moderate folks are going to be willing to watch NBC versus Fox or certainly if Newsmax had hosted mm-hmm. anything. But I don't know. I, the interest in it just seems to be very tepid right now.
1: No, it, it really does, because everybody kind of sees it as the second, you know, it's kind of an undercard show. Um, you know, to me, the debate at this point, uh, for, the, for the whole thing has been more about like a showcase to re- re- people who are very involved, to Republican activists and Republican donors and less right. about Republican voters. Right. And, um, and and again, winning primaries is about lining up activists and donors first. So I'm not faulting. Right. I'm just saying that that's kind of what it's been more about. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, the, I think the ratings are going to be uh, going to be you know, dismal uh, again, unless NBC is selling it as to catch a predator and they've got a whole system set up and all these Republicans are going to be surprised at the end.
0: Well, they know uh, if they, they know, the, that, Republican, they they know the Republican Party. Us. They can probably find one or two predators in there. Um, I want to end oh, it. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to end with this. We always do something that's sort of off politics. And usually it's something funny. But this weekend, Matthew Perry of Friends passed away. And I found it interesting the amount of coverage and the amount of discussion, even among friends of mine, no pun intended with Friends, talking about it. And... I think there's something to be said. I don't believe the same feeling is being developed among television these days. But a show like that, that really was pretty, I mean, it wasn't all that racy. I mean, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, you know, certainly not raunchy. It was, it could be a little campy. But where you had an ensemble that, that worked well together. It's, it tells us. I'm wondering if is that the last era of television, because television cable is is on its way out. They're losing, unfortunately, they're losing their their, uh, their revenue as streaming is just taking over. But and, and things are going to become so diverse. But Friends ran in a time period when millions of people would watch that would show. Watch. Yeah, like millions and millions watched the last episode. You think you that's know, over? You think this is the Matthew Perry world is coming to an end?
1: I mean, everything in television goes in cycles. But I tell you, it's interesting. Um, we, we had a little housewarming party for my brother. And apparently, <laughs> I, I wasn't there for this part. But my little niece comes running through, and she's like 12. Mm-hmm. And, and she's just like screaming, Chandler died. Now, all of her friends, I mean, all of the family there thought, that a little kid she knew named Chandler had just passed. Right. But she was talking about Matthew Perry. Chandler And Bean. she's so young. She, You know, it, it, it shows it had an impact. She didn't call him Matthew Perry. She called him Chandler. Right. right there. And so, so with someone her age. Yeah. It just, it, it hit me all over again. Like, whoa. Yep. This, yep. this whole generation, they've watched this too. Yep. Almost yep. like, you know, like, we were watching reruns of Lucy and Hogan's Heroes years after they aired the first time. That's what, that this is their Lucy. Hogan!
0: <laughs> kind Hogan! <laughs> well, I can tell you this, at our Stalag here, what was it, Stalag 13 or 17? 13, Stalag 13. At our Stalag 13, um, it's a good thing that you and I aren't trying to break out because we probably couldn't find the tunnel. But... We certainly know how to read the polls, and uh, our time's coming, brother. We're going to be in the hot seat beginning January. It's going to be going nonstop. We better get ready for it. Until then, I'm Matt Towery for the bow-tied one, Robert Cahaley, wishing you a great week and saying, who knows if we'll all be here next week.